episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we read the book Beautiful Bodies by Kimberly Ray Miller. I cannot wait to let you listen to this interview. I think you will find that this is a fairly unique perspective on here. I mean, I think and I hope that you feel I've provided you with some pretty unique perspectives, but I think this one just adds to this collection so well. My guest this week is fairly new on her body liberation journey, and it is so interesting to hear what's coming up for her. So I think you're just going to love it. But before I jump into all things my guest, let me start by telling you a little bit about what's going on over here in Fat Girl Book Club land. First and foremost, we have the virtual book club. This is, well, my latest passion project. It is a way to get others involved in reading these books. So if you've been enjoying these conversations and maybe you've even picked up a couple of books just from listening to this podcast, this is a way to take that to the next level. What happens is each week you are given a little schedule that tells you how much of the book needs to be read. Every Wednesday, you're going to get an email from me that has a lot of content in it about that section of the book. So it has a little video from me just talking about some of the thoughts from that section. It has a synopsis of that section. It has discussion questions and it has journaling prompts. So there's a lot of information there to hopefully take your reading to the next level. What's really exciting is that I've just started a new Facebook group in order to talk of all things, these books. <laughs> so I, I really am excited that this Facebook group has started there. It's a, it's a small group in there right now, but I'm really hoping that what that space will turn into is not just an opportunity to discuss the discussion questions from the section of the book that we're reading, but also to discuss other books maybe eventually start to uh, have some Facebook Lives and some more interaction. So I'm hoping that that's going to become a really, really positive space for people. So please join us. Please, 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 please join us. Just go into Facebook and search for uh, the Better Body Image Book Club and you will find us. The cool thing is, is I'm going to be doing book giveaways just through that group. So right now there is a giveaway going on. So hopefully you can jump in before that actually, that actually happens. So the giveaway will be done mid-March. Probably I'm thinking around the, I don't know, maybe the 18th to the 20th, because as soon as I do it, I'm going to get it sent to the person who wins. So, uh, it needs to happen fairly quickly because the book that we're going to be drawing for is April's book which is The Body is Not an Apology, which just came out with a new edition. So if you're at all interested in winning a copy of the new edition of The Body is Not an Apology, please jump into the Facebook group. Your name will be entered in the draw and I will be drawing mid-March and hopefully you win. Okay, so the other thing I want to mention that's exciting in my world is that I'm on Clubhouse. So look for I Wish I Were Me on Clubhouse and uh, maybe we can chat. I'm hoping that, you know, if there's enough people who kind of are in this space that get on there, 
we can start a room where we're talking about body acceptance books. I mean, I would just love that. So please jump onto Clubhouse if you're on there and give me a follow. I will follow you back. It'll be fun. Good times. If this is your first encounter with my podcast, I do have a free resource for you. So jump over to IWishIWereMe.com. There'll be a link in the show notes and grab your copy of the Your Better Body Image Checklist. It's just a few really practical things that you can do that will begin to change your body image towards something more positive. It'll also get you on my email list, which means that you will be in the Better Body Image Book Club. So cool, cool all around. All right, let me tell you a little bit about my guest. She has the cutest bio I think I have ever read. She reads, she brunches, she reviews. Meet Hannah Makala, the paperback bruncher. Hannah, she, her, is a millennial bookworm who runs her own book club, Brunch Babes Reads. She specializes in goofy and creative content on Bookstagram and BookTok, but is always checking out the latest social platforms and trends. Hannah loves to read all genres to keep her reading diverse and find ways to build community. Hannah loves to read all genres to keep her reading diverse and find ways to build community, whether it be live streams with other bookish friends, authors invited to Zoom meetings, or popping on live streams to read together. So excited to bring you this interview with Hannah Makala. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. All right. So before we jump into this actually really cool book, Beautiful Bodies by Kimberly Ray Miller, let's start with a little bit about you and how we kind of connected. So you run something called the Brunch Babes Book Club, um, and I found it on Instagram. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Uh, and how this ties into body positivity, which is sort of my shtick. For sure. So I would like to say, you know, like long story short, but this is one of those stories that needs a little bit of a backstory. (laughs) So I will make it as brief as I can. But initially, I mean, I've always been a reader, but I was that person that was the busy body that, that no longer made time to read for several years. And I live in Tucson, Arizona. And I had moved here about four-ish years ago, and I was really struggling to make adult friends. It was just such a hard concept for me. And I mentioned earlier to you in our private conversation that I'm a very extroverted person. So I was wondering, like, how are my introverted people doing? Like, if I'm struggling here, they must be doing much, much worse. So I decided just to kind of start this like passion project of creating these events that had no premise besides making friends and supporting local businesses. So we started by going to brunches and I would just throw it up on like Facebook and Instagram and be like, Hey, you can sign up. We have 10 seats available. There's no rules. Like it's not a sorority. Like you don't don't have to have anything in common. We want to meet people who are different than us. All you have to do to want to be here is sign up on time and want to make friends. So you have to make that effort. And that was my only rule. And so I started that first. And after kind of three events of those, it just really blew up. So I still slowly managed that. But with the pandemic, that kind of got put on pause. Mm. But after about a year and a half of doing those events, I think I did like 
40 ish events that year, like anything from wrenches to happy hours to workouts to like shopping at local businesses. Like I was keeping busy, but I realized I was missing something like for myself. Like I felt like I, I love brunching, you know, I love having a, a mimosa with like a new friend and, you know, seeing these businesses, but I wanted something like deeper and more impactful on me for like the long run. Mm-hmm. So that's when I kind of came up with this idea of what if we have a subgroup that's a book club and that way, you know, we can still meet over brunch or, you know, support local businesses. We would meet at our local bookstore, but this way we would have an common ground to meet on. We could have conversations based around these books about around like things like, like I said, we're in Tucson, Arizona, close to the border. We had conversations around immigration and women's rights and things like that, that are important to real life. Mm -hmm. And that actually change, you know, my views on the world and make me see outside of my scope as like a millennial white woman, you know, like I wanted (laughs) that. I needed that. So that's kind of where the book club was born. Um, but thankfully with the pandemic, that's something that has changed for the better. I've been able to, you know, go completely virtual with it. I've been able to expand it beyond Tucson. So now it's like, you know, if you have access yes. to Zoom, you can join us now, which is extremely yes. exciting. And the body positive month that we did was also kind of inspired by the initial first group, the Brunch Babes Tucson, the event group. Um, initially I had watched an episode of Shrill. I'm not sure if you ever watched Shrill. Okay. No, I've read the book, but I I don't have access to the TV show, but yes, yes. No, but a true reader you are. (laughs) I'm lazy. So I watched the television (laughs) show and didn't read the book yet, but there is an episode. It's not, this isn't a spoiler. It's just a quick scene, but they have this pool party she goes to and everyone at the pool party is just you know wearing whatever swimsuit they want it's primarily you know girls gays and they's and they're having their best time and it's just it it looked like such a liberating experience to be in this environment where there's all body types there and everyone is just not worrying about how they look and feel in their swimsuit. And they're actually just having fun and having connections. So I felt inspired being an event planner to try create something similar here in Tucson. And that summer of 2019, I created two of these pool parties in Tucson and they are the biggest events I've ever planned in my entire life. I like cried many tears over the stress, but it was so, so worth it. I think we had around 50 people at each because I had to limit it with like pool capacity and things, but they became a really big deal. Like with my media background, I even pitched to like big corporations for brand sponsorships. So we worked with like huge swimsuit companies that I got to donate suits to the girls. Um, I got the like, uh, what's it called? Like sparkling water to donate, like sunscreen. It was an insane experience. So, so I had so much fun with that, that I was like, how do I even replicate like a ripple of this into the book club? And that's kind of where I'm still working at working this into the book club but it's a little bit harder to have such an impact in you know, like a virtual format over a book as uh, something like that, but I'm still working on it. It's still a work in progress. So we did that last September for book club. I said, all right, let's kind of continue this conversation. Like the pandemic is not going to stop us. Yep. 
Yeah. These conversations are still happening. Like we are still having, you know, issues and feelings about our bodies, even maybe more so during the pandemic, like let's continue the dialogue. So that's when I was like, all right, let's find a book. And the book we ended up choosing (laughs) was much darker than I had hoped for. It was a very hard read. So if you need content warnings, I highly suggest looking them up for this book. Um, But it is a debut novel by Diana Clark, and it's called Thin Girls. And it's a story of two, I, um, I believe they're identical twin sisters, but one battles with anorexia. And so it kind of just goes through their timeline from like a young age to more modern day adults and how, you know, your eating disorder can affect all of those around you, your relationship, like with your twin, who's supposed to be almost like a carbon copy of you in a way, you know, your parents, your loved ones, your romantic relationships. And it was just very, very dark, but in a very like hauntingly beautiful way. And so that meeting was a really, really good meeting, but there was definitely some tears shed and some very personal stories shared. So that was a very impactful month and we are planning on doing a similar theme again in May here. So May of 2021, depending on when you're listening to this, but it's just a conversation I'm forcing everyone. We're going to keep talking about it. (laughs) We're all looking in the mirror every day, having these thoughts and I'm going to make us talk about it. So that's kind of, that is the long story. (laughs) Wow. Well, I, I mean, I'm in awe, uh, watching a little bit of shrill and then planning a pool party. Like, Holy crap, girl, that is amazing and wonderful. I mean, I I I had shivers when you were talking about that because <laughs> honestly, it's it's um I think uh I've had a real struggle with my body image, but putting my body into a bathing suit is a whole other level of struggle. And so to be able to have a bunch of people in a pool being okay with themselves, or at least being in an environment where it's okay for them to be okay with themselves. Um, I mean, that, that life-changing, like that feels like that would be a life-changing event. So I don't know. I'm just in awe that I think that that's wonderful. And obviously the reception was very good on that. And uh, I, wow, I I hope COVID (laughs) just goes away and you can do more of them because it sounds like you were made to do those. So that's really cool. Thank you. Uh, with the body positive book club and doing this book. So you had said you weren't quite, you didn't realize it was quite as dark. So what was the attraction to that book? Why did you end up picking that one originally? It was kind of just a random circumstance. I'd happened to like enter a giveaway on Instagram oh. through like a publisher or like a marketing yeah. company. And I won a few copies of them and I was able to gift it to like a, a couple other mem- members within our book club. And it kind of just was the right time. Like I was like, yeah. this isn't like a book I would usually pick up. It's not something I would avoid either, but it wasn't really something I was seeking out otherwise and we had already started this conversation around you know having this themed month about this and I realized well this could be the perfect book for it you know like Mm -hmm. maybe it isn't all the body positive part of it you know Mm -hmm. like sometimes you have to to get to the positive level you have to go through the darkness a little bit and you have to 
like embrace the ups and the downs. So I realized let's just roll with it. Let's see what this book is. But yeah. I kind of didn't know what I was getting myself into a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. But I am glad that we did read that one. So is this kind of the second book that you've read that's kind of in that vein where you're talking about bodies or has there been other ones that you've read in your past that have that you were sort of thinking about as you were reading some of these other two? I've definitely ordered during my <laughs> insane book buying problem this summer that I went through after, you know, getting on Bookstagram and Book Talk. I bought so many, so many books. So I probably have about 15 more books on my shelf at least that would embrace this topic. I did talk to one author who came out with her book last year. We did like a live stream together. She wrote the body image book for girls. So think about the more like modern day equivalent of those like American girl books that a lot of us millennials Mm -hmm. had as kids that like taught us how to put in a tampon. Mm. (laughs) It's like that, but more modern. And it talks about like social media and how these things like have a impact on your body image as like a young woman. And so I actually read that book, which is catered towards a younger crowd, but I just found it really interesting. I read that one. And then, um, other than that, I haven't read too much books like this besides focusing on just finding books that had characters with different, you know, body diversity in general, right, right, but it was right. something I am working on. But as I mentioned, I've only kind of restarted reading again since the pandemic. Right. (laughs) I'm a a born again reader. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Well, and you, by creating a book club, and I know I've done the same thing for myself by creating this podcast, you're creating that accountability. You have to read, you have no choice. Like you have to do it in order for your event or whatever it is you're doing to be successful. So that's, that's awesome. You're, you're going to read a lot more now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, in the beginning of book club, I was a terrible host. I barely finished the books. There was occasionally times that I didn't because real life would get in the way. But ever since, you know, spending more time at home, I, I read the book and then some, and I have suggestions and I've got slides and I've got, you know, everything under the sun. Wow. I'm a true Enneagram three. I'm a very much busy body, ambitious person. So <laughs> give me a task list and watch me get over. <laughs> well, then my questions were probably great. Oh yeah, I loved it. I was like, ooh, homework. Thank you. <laughs> well, I hope, I, I guess the hope is that when when I do these, that I find a little more about the guests too, and mostly about their relationship to the book. So when you read this one, Beautiful Bodies, did anything come up for you um, in terms of your own body journey? Was there anything that kind of stood out to you as being something that uh, maybe you'd never thought about before? Mm, Definitely. I mean, I, I related to her in a lot of ways and then also not in many ways, but I think everyone's story with their body, you know, is kind of always developing. Our bodies are always changing and so is our relationship with them. And I know for me, it's always been a very, very rocky road. I, you know, was always a very outgoing kid and fairly confident in my own way, but that didn't necessarily translate into my body image. I was that kid that, you know, got my period first. I got boobs before everyone else. I was a little bit taller than everyone else. And in some ways people would probably think that like, 
oh, like that was cool because you were more womanly, but I've never wanted that attention. I've never liked that kind of attention. And I had all of these thin, short, petite little friends that like were, you know, the apple of everyone's eye. They had all of the boys' attention, all of the teachers' attention. So like standing next to them, I always felt like maybe because I read a lot of fantasy, but I like, I remember thinking of like the words like an O for an ogre. And like, I was so harsh on myself and I just felt like I was always looming over them. And so I think having that through like middle school and elementary school really kind of starts to form who you are and you don't really realize until you're an adult that you need to start kind of unpacking some of this if you Mm. want to kind of move beyond it. And I'm not too sure on your background, but I grew up super religious Mm -hmm. and it's not like a religion or practice that, you know, I have in my life now, Mm -hmm. but it was an environment where I was told that men cannot control their sexual urges. And it is on the woman's job to, you know, be modest and conservative. So we are not tempting the men with our bodies because that is, you know, our problem, not theirs. And so (laughs) having that and growing, like coming into this womanly body at such a young age, it's such like this weird contradiction where I'm like, well, I don't want that attention anyways. And so I just always resorted to really baggy clothing, which of course, like would hide my shape, but also that made me look and feel even larger than I already was at the time. And so I think once I started getting into my twenties, I I was slowly getting a little bit thinner, but I realized it wasn't in a healthy way. I was working several jobs. I used to smoke cigarettes. Like I couldn't eat regularly because of the way I worked. And I was probably my unhappiest, but I was also my thinnest, but I still didn't feel confident in my body because I was still like a part of that church too. And they kind of prep, like would preach that it is a sin to be vain and vanity is bad. You know, vanity is the devil's work. Sorry, this is getting very dark. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. But I just, it was kind of this strange thing to unpack where I was like, but I, I, I knew I wanted to care about myself. And I always, like I said, I've been always this outgoing person and I wanted to believe in myself, but I was also kind of being told not to. And so it wasn't until like, I fully left this church that I realized like, I can post like a freaking selfie and say, I feel cute today and I I might not delete it later. You know, I felt great about it. And I mean, it's not been all like sunshine and rainbows since I left, but I'm still kind of figuring out what my balance is with, you know, showing off my body, but not getting that attention from men, you know, like I don't like, I've never, I've always had like a larger chest and things like that. And I don't like to wear super form fitted things or low cut things. And my friends are always encouraging me like, you know, show it off. You got it, on it. <laughs> which is great to say when it's someone else's body, but yeah, I've just never been super comfortable in that way. And I think a lot of it is from my upbringing. I've just yeah. been told, you know, let's not tempt the men, which I mean, I have a boyfriend of five years. I'm sure like he would not care, but like, it's still hard for me to unpack a lot of that. And I do think, you know, being out for a few years now, I've come into my own more and I've been able to live more of a healthy lifestyle. And I think I feel at my most confident now, 
but it's still by no means, you know, easy. And, you know, relating that back to Kimberly, I think that like, I, I just could relate to her feelings of kind of inadequacy and like how she never seemed to fit in or how she didn't think she fit in, in her, in her own mind. And that pull towards this impossible standard. That's kind of where I really resonated with her throughout the entire book. Although we were at very different extremes. (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely a pretty big extreme Mm-hmm. with her stuff but it sounds to me like with your story you had so many layers there's so many things to kind of go through and and I don't think it helps uh it sounds like the church didn't help or the religion didn't help uh but we're also in a world that gives us not maybe the same overt messages but it does give us these types of messages too about what a woman's body is supposed to mean and what it's supposed to do and so you know, you can kind of come out of one fire and into another in some ways. Like, I don't think we ever really get away from it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the struggle I find for me is that I look around and I just get so angry because I'm like, everywhere I turn, there's another message about what my body is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to do, what I'm supposed to want to do to it, how I am supposed to look and act and behave. And, and it, it just makes me so angry because it's like, if I decide to go against that, I feel like you get punished in some ways for going against that uh, through things like, I don't know, I'm in a fairly large body, so I can't buy clothes when I walk into the mall. I can't go with someone and just buy clothes there. I have to buy most of my clothes online. Uh, that's, that's detrimental to me and my life and everything that I do. You know, I, it's not as bad as some people who are in even larger bodies than me, but it just makes me so mad that there's, I mean, you just can't seem to get away from these messages about what a woman is and what a woman's supposed to be. And like you were saying, what a woman's relationship should be to a man's and it's, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's so true. And I think that it's important to note that I'm not here just for religious slander. I had an extreme experience that a lot of people haven't had to go through. And I acknowledge that, but I think that religion can often breed, you know, these standards for your entire lifestyle. And a lot of that is, like I said, you know, the way you, you look at your body and the way a woman's body should be presented. And I think it is important to note that, you know, no one should determine how your body should be, but you, well, and I guess your doctor in extreme circumstances, but, but like your, your church and your family and your friends should not be determining your body and your body's worth. And I think that that's something I'm, you know, finally coming to realize Mm. that, you know, this is my body. Why do you care? Leave me alone. Yes. This is mine. Like yes. this does not determine your worth or your happiness, but it does determine mine. Yes. So I'm going to do me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're the ones who have to live in it. Mm-hmm. And that's, as, and as much as the world tries to get us to disconnect. And I think that was the one thing with Kimberly's story. You can tell that every time she do a diet, she disconnected more and more from herself to the point where at the end, she, she wasn't even quite sure how to live in her body without a diet. So I thought that was really interesting about her story and where she was headed. Uh, I did want to ask you, though, because we we're kind of talking about men and men's relationship to bodies. And I, for me, this was the thing that stuck out the absolute most when I read this book was her uh, now husband, Roy. So she talks about how she gets this email or she 
she reads his emails while he's not there. And he has this email that is horrible saying that she's absolutely perfect except for the size of her belly and her butt. And he's talking to another friend and saying, I don't know, man, if it's this bad now, it's just going to get worse. Should I just get out of the relationship? And, and I mean, there's other incidences too that we can talk about, but do you think at the end of the day, did you come to the conclusion that he was an asshole or he was supportive or were missing part of the story or what was your thoughts around Roy, her husband? Well, (laughs) I feel like if you were going to guess, you'd probably say, I was just going to say asshole, but that's not true. As the book progressed, I realized something about it. I think that Kimberly's style of writing and her personality is just very factual and it's not very emotion-based. So I realized just the way that she presents herself and her story isn't very personal, even though it's a very Mm. personal story, in my, in my opinion. Mm. And I think that looking back on how she introduced us to Roy with not just that email, but just anything about him, nothing about it was like about her emotions towards him or how she felt about him or their love or their story. So of course we weren't going to be attached to Roy because we heard this terrible email and then we didn't hear any reason to why she actually liked him until much later in the book when, you know, they were thinking about getting married and having, starting their own family and all of that. And so I feel like at that point we started to get an idea of who he was or who he is. And I think that he was trying to be supportive. I don't think it always came across the best way and it wasn't always definitely the best route to take. I think he could use a little help, but he really did seem to love her in his own way. And I don't know if that was enough for either one of them. I'm not here to judge them on that or a relationship in, you know, or expert in their relationship or relationships in general, nor am I an expert in diet and nutrition. So I can't really say, you know, that either, but I think, I think he, he is human like anyone else. He started out pretty sucky in their relationship. And I think his, his own terms and feelings on, you know, body types and just seeing that, like, it seemed like he changed a little bit too, as the relationship went on. Yes. Yes. There were definite moments where like, I could have punched him for sure. Like there was that, but I think he, he's a normal guy, you know, a normal person. He is layered and he had his ups and his downs, but yeah, I don't know. Her style of writing just made me have a hard time connecting with him in general. Like, I don't really feel like I know who he is still at this point. No, I, I agree. And actually it's, it's interesting. You said that. Cause I, I agree that it was like, we miss a part in there because he even says when she finally tells him that she read his email and she saw this horrible email, he says, I was an asshole. I wasn't the same person. And when in reading the book, we don't get any indication that he's changed over the course of that time, really, because any time, because, and it is a memoir about her body and about her weight. And so she's only really referencing him in relation to that. And he's probably always going to be an asshole in terms of that, because he's a personal trainer, like his background, Mm -hmm. who he is as a person that, so to some degree, we're missing a big part. We're missing a big chunk of the story for sure. And, and I, I'm actually glad you said that because I think for me, um, I just sort of went, I, 
I think I was so angry because I was like, if, if you are really starting to recognize the value of your own worth and the value of your own body and the value of yourself in the relationship, I don't think you should have to apologize for some of the things that you're having to apologize for. And that really bothered me. Um, maybe it's only because I, of my own journey, because I'm sort of like, well, I don't feel like I should have to apologize for my body anymore. And she's not there yet. Mm -mm. Like, I think throughout this whole book, I'm not even sure at the end, she recognizes that she doesn't have to apologize for her body. So, um, yeah, coming at it from two different angles, uh, like (laughs) her angle and my angle, very, very different. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, so fucking glad I'm not dating him, but (laughs) (laughs) he is not the one for me. (laughs) But I mean, and also we, we barely got a, we didn't get both sides of the story and how she was in the relationship either. There was one moment they described her or she described herself as kind of being self-sabotaging in their relationship where she mentioned when she has big topics to bring up she for some reason deviates to bringing them up into public settings so like yes I'm thinking about wanting to have babies or yes I read this email and she brings up these life-changing important like pivotal conversations in public settings and like ready to pick a fight and I'm like I don't want to date you either Kimberly like both of you I do not know what's happening here so yeah. I mean every relationship you know has their ups yeah. and downs but she was no peach either no you know? it's so true so true and actually that's funny that is so funny yeah I remember when you talked about that and I was like that seems random and maybe something to bring up in therapy yeah it's like whoo Let's unpack that one a little, shall we? (laughs) Then again, she talks about her other memoir, which actually made me kind of want to read that one about her dad who was the hoarder. And I was like, oh, well, that would be an interesting way to grow up. And and at one point, she even kind of makes a parallel between her dad's obsession with stuff and her obsession with dieting. And I'm like, well, there's like, like, there's where a light bulb goes off. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's actually a really pivotal thing to think Um, but I think she kind of puts it in a, in a negative way and says, I don't think that I'm like that, but the fact that she put it in the book and the fact that I think everybody else can see that there's a parallel there means that that that's kind of a pivotal thing to be thinking that, that, you know, your dad's collecting stuff, but you're collecting something that, that is, uh, has to do with yourself personally inside. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, she does have kind of a brief kind of foray into body acceptance. And I thought that this was, to me, this was the most interesting because this is my world. This is where I'm at. Body acceptance, uh, fat activism, like this is where I'm at. And so she talks about how she gets onto this show and she's doing this show and she's able to open up quite a bit about her, um, the reality of her dieting situation and how disordered it actually is. And then she posts her before picture or her fat picture, I guess, Mm -hmm. the one that she uses as her constant motivation to keep dieting. And she gets a whole whack load of backlash. Like there's some people who say she's brave, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people that came out and said she's basically fat shaming because her picture is quite a bit smaller than a lot of women in larger bodies. What was your thoughts when you read that section of the book? What did you think? 
A, about her reaction and B, about the whole thing in general, but before pictures and that kind of thing? I had a lot of different feelings, actually. It wasn't really, you know, one-sided for me. I think that's kind of how this whole book is. Like, I feel like it's presented so objectively that I really like weighed out all of my thoughts Mm. and emotions. But Mm -hmm. I, I related to her quite a bit at this moment. But honestly, I've been working in social media marketing for years. So the second she said she was about to post this photo, I was like, no, 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 no. This ain't going to go the way you think it's going to go. Like I instantly recognized that. And I was like bracing for the impact of, you know, the backlash because I've had that experience where, you know, friends much smaller than I have said they felt fat that day or, you know, they didn't feel good in like the size that they were. And the way that they said it was like, if you see yourself that way, like, how the fuck do you see me? And it hurts. That feeling hurts. And I knew that that's how so many people were going to see that photo because she puts that image in the book too. And you see that visual. And I'm like, that is a very comparable size to me and my body right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. And it is a little offensive in the way that she projected it. But at the same time, she starts to describe after posting that picture, how she still never feels accepted. She's like, you know, like I was never thin enough, true, but also like, I'm not big enough to be a part of the body acceptance movement either. And I feel like I've always straddled that same range. Mm, Interesting. Yes. Which is like a huge thing for me because even with, like I mentioned the pool parties and the Mm -hmm. book club. I was so scared to do either one of those things because I thought people would be like, you're pretty medium sized. Like your body isn't big enough to really have this much power in that community. And I'm not trying to have that power necessarily. I'm trying to be the starter of the conversation and the initiator. I think that is my strength is being the initiator, the planner, the activist, but I'm not going to be the person on the podium having the speech about this because that's not my lane. But I was scared that like by starting these, that people would be like, well, you're, you're not large enough to know what I'm going through. But I, like I said, I've always been in this weird middle ground where I was never the thin girl, but I was never also curvy enough to like be that leader either of the movement so I really related with her in that moment and I think that it's kind of a bit of almost like imposter syndrome like I was like Jen wants me on her podcast like should I tell her what size I am like I felt (laughs) weird I was like I don't know like am I, am I big enough to be on this part am I small enough like I don't know how to have these conversations and I struggle even like this movement, like whatever you want to call it, I struggle with the language. Yes. There's so many words and yes, it's English and I speak English, Mm -hmm. but it is a new language. There's body positive, body neutrality, you know, like health at every size and all of these terms and things. And I don't know the right words yet. I am learning this language, but it's scary. I'm scared to say the wrong thing or, you know, to come across the wrong way. I know that my intentions are the best of intentions. And I'm just trying to talk about my struggles with my body and relate to others in that way. But I also don't want to project things onto other people either. I don't know. It's, it's a hot mess. And I know we're all going through it in our own ways, but I related to her in that way. Like I gave her some grace where I knew she had the best of intentions and she was going through her own journey, but 
it's hard. It's a hard world to navigate. Like, it's not like we're instantly, oh, it's a body acceptment, like acceptance movement. Like we accept you. You're good now. Like it isn't that either. It's not all happiness here either. Yes. You know? Yes. No, it, I think there's a, a spectrum. And actually I, I've had um, Amy Pence Brown on the podcast. And uh, if if you're not sure who she is, check out her YouTube video where she she gets blindfolded in a Boise, Idaho farmer's market and has a sign. She's wearing a bikini and she says, you know, if you've ever struggled with your body image, put a heart on me. And she has markers in her hand. And she was one of the first people to do that. I know that there's a lot of people who've kind of done that since, but she was one of the first people to do that. And she came on and we had this really interesting discussion about body positivity versus the um, fat activism. Uh, and and the, then how it is important that when people come in and they're playing with these things and they're coming in and they're going, yeah, I don't like my body either. Like I want to talk about it that we don't just start saying, shut up, you're not big enough or, you know, be quiet because you're, you're not, uh, you know, you can fit into an airplane seat or whatever it is that, that we see as the line for people to be into uh, this movement. She's like, the more we can embrace people bring people in, get them to recognize that their body is beautiful and that everybody is beautiful. And we should be, we should be fighting for even those people on the far side of the uh, body size spectrum. We should be trying to make things even better for them. The more people we can bring in to do that, the better off we're all going to be. We're all going to benefit from that, but we can't do that unless we start opening it up, having these conversations and and really talking to people about instead of saying, okay, well, you're a fat shamer because you put your picture up and you're, you know, you're smaller than half the people that are reading your blog or whatever. It's saying, why do you think somebody would be upset that you put that out there? You know, like having these conversations and asking these questions, I think is so important. So I'm so glad that you said that. I'm just so glad that you, you didn't say no <laughs> coming on here because I think, well, I mean, clearly you're doing some amazing work and you deserve to have that recognition for that. Uh, but, you know, the fact that you're open to reading these books, like, thank goodness, you know, we, we need more people doing that and we need more people talking about them. That's, that's my shtick is getting out people to talk about the things that are in them. And saying, okay, well, why was this good? Why was this bad? Like we we were just talking about. The thing, the difference I think between what you were just talking about and what happened in the book for me was that I don't think Kimberly learned a goddamn thing from her experience. No, I, I don't, don't think she took anything from that. And that re- that was what was so sad to me. It was like, could you just open yourself up just a little bit to recognizing that so many people related to your story and that's valid. Mm -hmm. And also that picture may have been a mistake, Mm -hmm. you know, like couldn't, can we have both of those things and then try to get something from it? Instead, she just threw the baby out with the bathwater and said, I'm going back on a diet. Mm -hmm. Sigh. So (laughs) caught up in her own orbit through this entire book. And I think that is just a huge, huge part of it is she doesn't see how it's impacting anyone else around her. No, no. Uh, She does go into all this history. So she kind of, the structure of the book was where she talks about 
historical references and some stuff about dieting and how dieting came about and body image and beauty ideals and that kind of thing. And she intersperses that with her stories. What did you think of that structure? And was there, uh, was there anything in that history that sort of stood out to you or was something that was really new to you? I actually really enjoyed the, you know, the balance between like the memoir and the social history. It's not really a genre I've mixed and read together in a way mm. like this before. So I don't actually read a lot of memoirs. It's something I'm trying to read more of, but mm. I felt like I mentioned earlier, it gave me a new way to be able to appreciate it. It gave me like these moments of personal reflection with her story and like emotional moments, but then it also helped me kind of reel back from that and have a moment of logic and think about like, well, here's the facts, here's the history. And it kind of let you be objective to her experience and your own experience by being able to compare like, yes, this is how she feels in her body, but also these are these crazy diets or the things that she was, you know, trying at the time and putting them next to each other. The stark difference was almost just like wild. Like I've never seen it compared in such a way that it just, it, it crazy to me. And I, I read a bunch of it. I sometimes will pop on TikTok and do like a read with me live stream. And I actually was doing that last night as I read this book. And I read several of these passages like aloud to like whoever was like listening. And one of the moments that really just like blew my mind was the part about Audrey Hepburn specifically. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So almost everyone probably knows, you know, the icon, the fashion, the everything that she is, Audrey Hepburn, you know, the Hollywood star of all time. She's iconic. And I think from a young age, even like being limited in media, I still knew who she was. And she is this beauty ideal. This She's put on this pedestal of being, you know, one of the most beautiful women of all time. And she had this, they call it like wayfish, boyish figure. They have all these like charming words that they try to like present her body in. It's so gross. But I just always thought like it probably would be really nice to look like her. Why not? She's gorgeous. You know, that's what my brain had thought for many, many years. And I had never heard about how her body got to be the way it was. And in this book, they present the facts of the, uh, she was growing up in, in around age 15, I believe they said in the Netherlands, and it was the, uh, Dutch hunger winter. And so many people in the Netherlands at the time didn't have access to enough food. They were going through a famine and the government was rationing food. And I think they said the calories at the time were about 600 calories a day per person. And people were resorting to, you know, eating their pets and furniture. Like this was an extreme and her body and result was stunted from the like growth And no wonder she didn't have this like womanly figure with like fat and curves because her body was experiencing a famine and literally got stuck in a 15 year old like growth phase. And that is our ideal for an adult woman's body. Like that just blows my mind. I'm like, I'm getting angry again. (laughs) Like I cannot hide the rage from my voice because I just, I don't understand that we see that small frame and we are like, that's what we want. But we have never, we, I don't mean you and I, but like so many people see her body and think of it as the ideal, but no one talks about how her body got to be the way it is. Mm. 
I've never heard that story before, but I've seen so many people, you know, have pictures of her on their wall or buy her on a t-shirt or have a phone case. And it's still happening today, which means she is still a beauty ideal today, but I don't hear anyone talking about this story. And so I'm like, still so angry. I'm still so mad about it. And I'm probably going to tell people this story like constantly, like this is probably the moment of the book that will stick with me, you know, for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, because she is so idolized and it sickens me. Yeah. I'm not saying that she, of course, she's still beautiful and that is her body. And I hope that yeah. she's out strong and confident and healthy in her adult life. Also, I'm not trying to take away, you know, from that, because I know that some people do have a similar body type and it is also yeah. beautiful but I hope they didn't have to go through a famine to look like that, you know? Exactly. No, actually it's interesting. You bring up that one because for the number of, uh, body acceptance books I've read, I've never heard that story either. So that was, that was the first one for me. No, it's not, it's not. And I think it clearly exemplifies this idea that, you know, when we compliment someone on weight loss, uh, like for her, it was just her body when she was a woman, but when we're complimenting her on her figure, or we compliment someone on weight loss, we're complimenting them on something. We have no clue how they got there. They could have intentionally got there. Yeah, for sure. But they could have also got there because they were sick. They could have got there because their life is so hectic and stressed out that they couldn't be eating. They could have got there because, um, you know, they, they are, have an eating disorder. Like we don't know. And yet in our culture, it's so prevalent where we go, you're thin we should compliment your body. And it's just, that is, that's not helpful. It's not beneficial on a cultural level for us to do that. So giving that compliment without knowing the reason why, and I'm not saying it it isn't your business to know why I'm not giving that permission either, but by giving someone a compliment on their weight loss, we're saying it doesn't matter how you got there. Like exactly here, congrats, you did it and continue doing it. Like it's, it's feeding this like monster, you know, it really is. It really is. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's not like, it's not like I would condone someone going up and saying, you've lost weight. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would recommend that either, but yeah, it's none of our business. I, I completely agree with you on that, but yeah, I think in, in normal everyday, you know, transactions, if someone has never been exposed to this stuff, they're like, of course I would compliment intentional weight loss. Why wouldn't I, you know, I mean, that's what is beautiful. That's what we, we all want to do. Right. And it's sort of like, well, no, not all of us, but I get what you're saying. (laughs) Uh, so in the book, she talks about her metabolism being broken. What did you think about that? Uh, Honestly, I, I don't even, I don't even know. Like that was just one of those moments where I'm like, I don't have a lot of knowledge and insight into this topic, but this also doesn't feel right. Mm. <laughs> but I, mm-hmm, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Also, like, it makes me, I don't know. It's a strange conversation to have. It is. It is. And I guess for me, because mm-hmm. I've read a lot of books where they do talk about this kind of thing, where, you know, if you wait cycle, then your basal metabolic rate, which is what she was talking about mm-hmm. with the where she was breathing into the machine and it's trying, right. Yeah. It's, it's trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, you know, what your body needs just, just to sit here and do absolutely nothing. How many calories does your body need in a day? Mm -hmm. And she is saying 
you know, that she was at about 900 calories per day, which is very, very low. And they talk about in a lot of books, health at every size, body respect, intuitive eating. Um, I mean, you name it, if it's a book that kind of goes into this stuff, they will say that you can decrease your basal metabolic rate. And even the, there was a study done on biggest loser contestants, like six years after they had been contestants and their basal metabolic rate went down one guy. I think it was even by 600 calories a day. So you, you can do this, but just from the, uh, the people in her life around her that looked at, looked at her, like she was nuts when she was talking about this and the amount of people she had to go through to try to figure out if it was true, like what was going on tells you that this is definitely not something that people talk about a lot. Mm -mm. And it does kind of sound a little hokey. You're sort of like, "Mm, I don't know if that's real. Uh, but then they talk about how 1200 calories, us needing 1200 calories is not based in any science either. So you sort of go, okay, well, you know, so then, then your brain starts just kind of going in circles. So I thought it was an interesting thing to have in there. I thought, well, I love the fact that she was actually able to get those tests. Like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, I would love to know what my, what happened to mine. Cause I did a lot of disordered dieting too myself. Uh, I'd love to know what happened to my, cause I know, I know that, uh, things are broken. I'm just okay with it. I'm not like, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. she's not okay with it. I am fine with it. Um, I think, I think too, I mean, let the record show. I was face palming during this entire part of this conversation <laughs> about this topic. It's a podcast, so I need to describe my visuals. This is true. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that a lot of the problems too is just the like healthcare industry in general and how it how doctors often respond to women's bodies. And they weren't able to, to diagnose that she had issues with her thyroid through her zillions of appointments. Yeah. Which, like, your struggles with the same yes. thing. So I'm a little bit familiar. And I actually started questioning it earlier in the book because of my sister's experience. And it's interesting that, you know, I, with no medical experience, at least had that thought before these doctors did. And the one, I don't remember what the title was of the professional she went to that gave her the BMR test, but she said, I do remember her saying that this was the most expensive doctor she had gone to at this point. And she just thought, maybe if I find the person I can throw the most money at, they will be the one to fix me. Like, what else do I have to try? And that was just so sad that like, that was the point she was at. Like, I'm so unhappy in my body. Like maybe if I keep spending more money, I'll get something better and I need to keep trying. And I mean, it kind of did work out for her in a way of sorts, you know, like I was the first doctor who, or person who said, let's try this BMR test. But like I said, like I've heard of BMI, but I didn't heard of BMR. Like this mm-hmm. isn't a thing that's discussed. And I mean, you hear people having different metabolisms and you see it with the people around you. Like we all know, like a teenage boy that can eat three pizzas and look the same, you know, like we know we don't all have the same metabolism. I understand. But I also didn't, I was never taught that, you know, you can affect change on your own metabolism and you can also damage it by doing something you think you're doing that is good. Like we aren't having, we aren't taught any of these things about our bodies. And I mean, it should be a part of like a health curriculum, you would think. Yeah. 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 And it's so sad that she felt the need, like she, she'd gotten herself to so low 
and she felt the need to get external validation about that she was checking off all the boxes. You know what I mean? Like she, she would not only write out all her food, she would take pictures of it to send to her husband and her, and her husband's um, mentor at the school. You know, she was writing out all the articles she had written in the diet books that she had ghost written for this nutritionist that she goes to see. Like she needs that external validation that she's doing everything she can to quote unquote, help combat her weight. And meanwhile, you know, they take this test and she finds out she 900 calories a day. Like, oh my goodness. Like that's ridiculous. Um, but then when you look at her list of, uh, diets and the fact that she was regularly eating 500 calories a day and working out quite a bit, so and much. yeah, and like you kind of look at that and you go, of course, there's got to be some repercussions for that. Like, of course there has to be, you know, and if she was in a, it was what age four, like yeah, she's been very, doing this her entire yeah, life. Too. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if she was in a smaller body and doing these things, she would have already been called out a long time before, but because she was in a body that was quote unquote, normal looking, she was able to, you know, just skate by with saying she needs to lose whatever it was she thought she needed to lose. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. And I, I agree with you. There is not a lot of conversation about this. And even in the books I've read, there's conversation about it, but this is an actual person talking about it happening to her. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think hit the most home to me was that this is, someone that I can actually point to and say this happened to them and they wrote about it and it's pretty wild how she had to go to try to fix it I mean it sounds like she just kind of takes the disordered habits and places them onto the other direction yeah Um, but she does try to fix it (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh oh yeah okay so I wanted to ask you so at the end of the book the end of the book the last two sentences are chasing the ideal body is like chasing the horizon it's all a matter of perspective I'll never really get there but I'll appreciate the view as I try from that last line what did you think will she go back to dieting she talks about not going back to dieting but what do you think uh Kimberly 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 (laughs) I mean I want to have this like girl power moment where I'd be like wow no she could never she's so strong and she's so powerful and I mean even if she does go back back to dieting like she can still be strong and powerful but Kimberly throughout this book loves control Mm. her weight in her body is this thing that she she manipulates to have control in her life and I can't say that, you know, after seeing people in my life who have been through a similar journey of having, you know, multiple children or, you know, having that baby weight, or maybe they're having struggles in a marriage or a relationship, who's to say you you wouldn't return to this sense of control in your body. And I feel like it happens to so many people that it is very likely that she would, um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know her. I can't say for sure, but I think that I, it's very possible that's something she would do to go back to, you know, feeling a sense of accomplishment and control in her life. And I hope she doesn't. I hope she continues to f- continue her own journey towards health and, you know, finding ways to actually just 
nourish her body and you know find like the moment when she found out she was pregnant and she finally was like I can eat for a better purpose you know I can eat to nourish my body and this body I'm growing inside of me and I think that was one of the healthiest parts of the book Mm. for her and her journey was being like hey this is bigger than me and I think that if she almost had that same kind of mindset when it is just still her body, like it is still bigger than her, even though it's her body. Like she has her husband, she has kids now. Right. And it's, it's about those loved ones around her. Like she should want to live this healthy life to be strong for those people and herself. So, I mean, if she can kind of take that approach, I think she, she'll be able to do it, but who's to say, I mean, she's human like the rest of us. So probably not. Do you think that you saw as a reader, do you think you saw a trajectory for her? Do you think you saw change in her as a, as a person, because it's a memoir, but like as a character, if you're reading it in a book? Mm, Kind of. I mean, honestly, for this book, like for me, my like, I love you that you just said that. That's (laughs) honest. (laughs) But like, I think my takeaway of this book too, was just like my feeling when I was done reading it was exhaustion. And I, that sounds bad, it's, but it's actually a good thing <laughs> because dieting is exhausting. And I love when a book actually makes you feel like the emotion of the book itself. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of poetic that like the dieting and this whole process of going through all of these like body image issues is exhausting. And you felt exhausted reading it. It kind of projected that same energy. And I think that like, once again, reading about it objectively and having it not be about like my friend's story or my mom's story or my sister's story, I was able to read it more logically. And, you know, reading it made me think about how much time and energy I spend thinking about, you know, like these things in the vanity sphere about like the weight and having the right skincare and, you know, dressing right and throwing all this money at it. And it's just so much wasted time, energy, funds. And it took over her life to such an extreme level that to me, I almost read this as like a cautionary tale where I was like, I do not want to be Kimberly. Like no offense, girl, you are great and successful, but like, I I don't want to be you. I don't want to have it come to this, you know, level in my life where this is how controlled I am and how it affects my job and my relationships to this level. So I think for me, I just kind of read it and I was like, oh, I need to start like living my life a little bit more. Yes. It's a good reminder in that way that like, this is the body I've got. It's doing what it should be doing. And I just need to live life and not waste so much freaking time. Yes. <laughs> oh man, that's, that is like amazing. And, and, you know, reflecting on it and you saying that, that is probably exactly how I felt when I finished it too. Like, I think you put it into words so beautifully because I also felt that I, I, I reminisced for a little bit about my own disordered behaviors and sort of went, this is why I'm not doing it anymore because mm-hmm. I, like, I, I just can't, I can't not see my own worth. And I sometimes felt in this book, like Kimberly just did not recognize herself for the wonderful person she was because she felt like her weight was such an issue and it really wasn't that big of an issue. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And, but I mean, like you said before too, uh, like 
this is such an individual thing. Like this is not, I am not in her body. I am not in her circumstances. I don't have her husband. I don't have her family. Who knows? You know, if, yeah. if we were in the same situation, maybe it'd be exactly the same for us. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad she shared her story though. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any other takeaways? I know you had talked about a couple different takeaways with Audrey Hepburn and then the, the one you were just mentioning, was there anything else that you will take away from this book? I think that it'll definitely be one of those books that like I'm going to talk about. And I just, it was one of those like solidarity, solidarity sister moments, you know, Mm -hmm. where I just, it was nice to read it, to know that you're never alone in these thoughts. And not that I, I thought I was alone before, but it does, it does feel nice to know that someone's going through a similar, a similar thing. And, you know, her looking the way she does also might not feel confident, which is sad, but it's nice to just kind of feel like you have someone to go through this with. So I felt like that was one of the, you know, strengths of the book for sure. But yeah, it isn't necessarily an easy read either. No, no, I don't know if it's a book I can say I would confidently recommend to everyone, but if it's something that (laughs) along that scope, you know, that someone's looking for already, it would be something I would recommend. Uh, so if somebody did come to you after reading this book and they were looking for another recommendation, would you have something that you would maybe steer them in the direction of? So I mentioned I've been buying a lot of books lately. So I wrote down a couple of recommendations of books that are actually books that I want to read that I would be inspired to read after reading this book. So I I can't say that I've read them yet, but these are the TBR books. Okay. (laughs) So um, for more of like the factual breakdown of actual body ideals, I want to read The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. Mm -hmm. If I'm pronouncing these authors' names wrong, by the way, I am so sorry. I don't know how to say anyone's name. I normally (laughs) massacre them on a regular basis. So have at her. (laughs) It is not intentional. I promise. Um, I also really want to read uh, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, which I think is just a great read because it's also a non-white author breaking down that her like stories with body shame and body shame in general. So I think it's good to, you know, diversify yourself even in this conversation. And then I have two more. I want to read Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Cause that's one that's a more like sex positive read and it's Ooh. that angle of it. So that's not okay. something I read really ever. So that kind yes. of interests me to try something new there. And then um, I mentioned I'm in Tucson. So we have a very, very famous in the body acceptance sphere uh, writer, Jess Baker lives in Tucson. And I have a couple of her books, one of which is Land Whale. I haven't read it yet, but if you want another memoir, I'll be reading hers and had to shout out my local lady here. And then if you want to take it a little less seriously and go for fiction, I'm going to read Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson. It features a fat main character. It has witchy vibes and she brings people back to life. So it's like, and I believe it's like a YA fiction, but it just sounds so like goofy and fun. So I kind of have a spectrum of random reads and I'm going to. I love it. Those sound wonderful. Well, all of those will be in the show notes too. So if anybody's interested, you can just scroll down and click. Uh, but let's finish off with you telling people where they can find you, what, what you've got going on, anything you want to promote. 
Perfect. So once again, I am Hannah Makla. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I run my own book club here. We are on Facebook and Instagram under Brunch Babes Reads and also on Goodreads. We have a group there. You can find us. And then I run my own book talk and bookstagram. And that username is the paperback bruncher on both of those. So I post a lot of different genres. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I should mention it now real quick. Um, Mm -hmm. Our book club reads a new genre every single month. So the whole point is to always expand our viewpoints and to always learn something new. So if this isn't, you know, a topic that is your favorite topic, that's okay, because we'll do something new next month. (laughs) And so we are always learning something new and it is always a new conversation. So that, that is it in a gist. That I is so wonderful. all over the socials. <laughs> I, it's, I love it. It's great. Okay. Well, and all those links will also be down below <laughs> in the show notes. So, well, that is awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on Fat Girl Book Club. Thanks for having me, Jen. Wasn't that great? Something a little different, I think, than what I normally have on here. Not that I don't try to have a range of perspectives on here. I do. But the fact that Hannah is just starting on her journey towards body liberation and body acceptance is, to me, such a different take. And I think some of the fears and some of the things that she brought up really, really hit home to me. So I hope you really enjoyed that interview. Please don't forget about the Your Better Body Image Checklist. You can grab it on my website. And I hope to see you in the Better Body Image Book Club Facebook group. Don't forget about joining that because you could win yourself a free copy of the new edition of The Body Is Not an Apology. Keep reading, everyone.